The Law School of America. Victim. All jurisdictions require that the victim be a natural person, that is, a human being who was still alive before being murdered. In other words, under the law one cannot murder a corpse, a corporation, a non-human animal, or any other non-human organism such as a plant or bacterium. California's murder statute, Penal Code Section 187, expressly mentioned a fetus as being capable of being killed, and was interpreted by the Supreme Court of California in 1994 as not requiring any proof of the viability of the fetus as a prerequisite to a murder conviction. This holding has two implications. Firstly, a defendant in California can be convicted of murder for killing a fetus which the mother herself could have terminated without committing a crime. And secondly, as stated by Justice Stanley Mosk in his dissent, because women carrying non-viable fetuses may not be visibly pregnant, it may be possible for a defendant to be convicted of intentionally murdering a person they did not know existed. Mitigating Circumstances Some countries allow conditions that affect the balance of the mind to be regarded as mitigating circumstances. This means that a person may be found guilty of manslaughter on the basis of diminished responsibility rather than being found guilty of murder, if it can be proved that the killer was suffering from a condition that affected their judgment at the time. Depression Post-traumatic stress disorder and medication side effects are examples of conditions that may be taken into account when assessing responsibility. Insanity. Mental disorder may apply to a wide range of disorders including psychosis caused by schizophrenia and dementia, and excuse the person from the need to undergo the stress of a trial as to liability. Usually, sociopathy and other personality disorders are not legally considered insanity, because of the belief they are the result of free will in many societies. In some jurisdictions, Following the pretrial hearing to determine the extent of the disorder, the defense of not guilty by reason of insanity may be used to get a not guilty verdict. This defense has two elements. That the defendant had a serious mental illness, disease, or defect. That the defendant's mental condition, at the time of the killing, rendered the perpetrator unable to determine right from wrong, or that what they were doing was wrong. Under New York law, for example. Section 40.15 Mental Disease or Defect in any prosecution for an offense, it is an affirmative defense that when the defendant engaged in the proscribed conduct, he lacked criminal responsibility by reason of mental disease or defect. Such lack of criminal responsibility means that at the time of such conduct, as a result of mental disease or defect, he lacks substantial capacity to know or appreciate either, 1. The nature and consequences of such conduct, or 2. That such conduct was wrong. NY Penal Law, Section 40.15 under the French Penal Code. Article 122-1. A person is not criminally liable who, when the act was committed, was suffering from a psychological or neuropsychological disorder which destroyed his discernment or his ability to control his actions. A person who, at the time he acted, was suffering from a psychological or neuropsychological disorder which reduced his discernment or impeded his ability to control his actions, remains punishable. However, the court shall take this into account when it decides the penalty and determines its regime. Penal Code Section 122-1 found at Ledger France website. Those who successfully argue a defense based on a mental disorder are usually referred to mandatory clinical treatment until they are certified safe to be released back into the community, rather than prison. A criminal defendant is often presented with the option of pleading not guilty by reason of insanity. Thus, a finding of insanity results in a not guilty verdict, although the defendant is placed in a state treatment facility where they could be kept for years or even decades. Postpartum depression. Postpartum depression, also known as postnatal depression, is recognized in some countries as a mitigating factor in cases of infanticide. According to Susan Friedman, 
Two dozen nations have infanticide laws that decrease the penalty for mothers who kill their children of up to one year of age. The United States does not have such a law, but mentally ill mothers may plead not guilty by reason of insanity. In the law of the Republic of Ireland, infanticide was made a separate crime from murder in 1949, applicable for the mother of a baby under one year old where the balance of her mind was disturbed by reason of her not having fully recovered from the effect of giving birth to the child or by reason of the effect of lactation consequent upon the birth of the child. Since independence, death sentences for murder in such cases had always been commuted. The new act was intended to eliminate all the terrible ritual of the black cap and the solemn words of the judge pronouncing sentence of death in those cases, where it is clear to the court and to everybody, except perhaps the unfortunate accused, that the sentence will never be carried out. Unintentional. For a killing to be considered murder in 9 out of 50 states in the U.S., there normally needs to be an element of intent. A defendant may argue that they took precautions not to kill, that the death could not have been anticipated, or was unavoidable. As a general rule, manslaughter constitutes reckless killing, but manslaughter also includes criminally negligent, for example grossly negligent, homicide. Unintentional killing that results from an involuntary action generally cannot constitute murder. After examining the evidence, a judge or jury, depending on the jurisdiction, would determine whether the killing was intentional or unintentional. Diminished capacity. In jurisdictions using the Uniform Penal Code, such as California, diminished capacity may be a defense. For example, Dan White used this defense to obtain a manslaughter conviction, instead of murder, in the assassination of Mayor George Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk. Afterward, California amended its penal code to provide as a matter of public policy there shall be no defense of diminished capacity, diminished responsibility, or irresistible impulse in a criminal action. Aggravating Circumstances Murder with specified aggravating circumstances is often punished more harshly. Depending on the jurisdiction, such circumstances may include premeditation, poisoning, murder of a child, murder of a police officer, judge, firefighter or witness to a crime, murder of a pregnant woman, crime committed for pay or other reward, such as contract killing, exceptional brutality or cruelty, methods which are dangerous to the public, for example explosion, arson, shooting in a crowd etc. Murder for a political cause. Murder committed in order to conceal another crime or facilitate its commission. Hate crimes, which occur when a perpetrator targets a victim because of their perceived membership in a certain social group. Treachery, for example Heimtuck in German law. In the United States and Canada, these murders are referred to as first-degree or aggravated murders. Murder, under English criminal law, always carries a mandatory life sentence but is not classified into degrees. Penalties for murder committed under aggravating circumstances are often higher, under English law, than the 15-year minimum non-parole period that otherwise serves as a starting point for a murder committed by an adult. Felony murder rule. A legal doctrine in some common law jurisdictions broadens the crime of murder, when an offender kills in the commission of a dangerous crime, regardless of intent, he or she is guilty of murder. The felony murder rule is often justified by its supporters as a means of preventing dangerous felonies, but the case of Ryan Hula shows it can be used very widely. Year and a day rule. In some common law jurisdictions, a defendant accused of murder is not guilty if the victim survives for longer than one year and one day after the attack. This reflects the likelihood that if the victim dies, other factors will have contributed to the cause of death, breaking the chain of causation and also means that the responsible person does not have a charge of murder hanging over their head indefinitely. Subject to any statute of limitations, the accused could still be charged with an offense reflecting the seriousness of the initial assault. With advances in modern medicine, 
most countries have abandoned a fixed time period and test causation on the facts of the case. This is known as delayed death in cases where this was applied or was attempted to be applied go back to at least 1966. In England and Wales, the year-and-a-day rule was abolished by the Law Reform, Year-and-a-Day Rule, Act 1996. However, if death occurs three years or more after the original attack then prosecution can take place only with the Attorney General's approval. In the United States, many jurisdictions have abolished the rule as well. Abolition of the rule has been accomplished by enactment of statutory criminal codes, which had the effect of displacing the common law definitions of crimes and corresponding defenses. In 2001 the Supreme Court of the United States held that retroactive application of a state Supreme Court decision abolishing the year-and-a-day rule did not violate the ex post facto clause of Article I of the United States Constitution. The potential effect of fully abolishing the rule can be seen in the case of 74-year-old William Barnes, charged with the murder of a Philadelphia police officer Walter T. Barkley Jr., who he had shot nearly 41 years previously. Barnes had served 16 years in prison for attempting to murder Barkley, but when the policeman died on August 19, 2007, this was alleged to be from complications of the wounds suffered from the shooting, and Barnes was charged with his murder. He was acquitted on May 24, 2010. Contributing Factors According to Peter Morrill, the motivations for murder fit into the following four categories. Lust, the murderer seeks to kill rivals to obtain objects of their sexual desire. Love, the murderer seeks to mercy kill a loved one with a major deformity or an incurable illness. Loathing, the murderer seeks to kill a loathed person, such as an abusive parent, or members of a loathed group or culture. Loot, the murderer seeks some form of financial gain. Morrill argues that a motive alone is insufficient to explain criminal killing, as people can experience those impulses without killing. Morrill insists risk factors that may increase the chance that somebody will commit a murder include. Testosterone, the primary male sex hormone, is correlated with competitive and assertive behavior. Reduction in serotonin increases likelihood of impulsive hostile behavior. Alteration in the breakdown of glucose appears to affect mood and behavior. Hyperglycemia and hypoglycemia can both lead to aggression. Consumption of alcohol can lead to reduced self-control. Environmental pollutants circulating in the body are linked to heightened aggression. Malnutrition from eating too much junk food can provoke aggressive behavior and even murder. Certain personality disorders are associated with an increased homicide rate, most notably narcissistic, antisocial, and histrionic personality disorders and those associated with psychopathology. Some aspects of homicides, including the genetic relations or proximity between murderers and their victims, as in the Cinderella effect, may potentially be explained by the evolution theory or evolutionary psychology. Several studies have shown that there is a correlation between murder rates and poverty. A 2000 study showed that regions of the state of Sao Paulo in Brazil with lower income also had higher rates of murder. Murder in the United States. In the United States, 666,160 people were killed between 1960 and 1996. Approximately 90% of murders in the U.S. are committed by males. Between 1976 and 2005, 23.5% of all murder victims and 64.8% of victims murdered by intimate partners were female. For women in the U.S., homicide is the leading cause of death in the workplace. In the U.S., murder is the leading cause of death for African-American males aged 15 to 34. Between 1976 and 2008, African-Americans were victims of 329,825 homicides. In 2006, Federal Bureau of Investigation's Supplementary Homicide Report indicated that nearly half of the 14,990 murder victims that year were black, 7,421. In the year 2007, 
there were 3,221 black victims and 3,587 white victims of non-negligent homicides. While 2,905 of the black victims were killed by a black offender, 2,918 of the white victims were killed by white offenders. There were 566 white victims of black offenders and 245 black victims of white offenders. The white category in the Uniform Crime Reports, UCR, includes non-black Hispanics. Murder demographics are affected by the improvement of trauma care, which has resulted in reduced lethality of violent assaults, thus the murder rate may not necessarily indicate the overall level of social violence. Workplace homicide, which tripled during the 1980s, is the fastest-growing category of murder in America. Development of murder rates over time in different countries is often used by both supporters and opponents of capital punishment and gun control. Using properly filtered data, it is possible to make the case for or against either of these issues. For example, one could look at murder rates in the United States from 1950 to 2000, and notice that those rates went up sharply shortly after a moratorium on death sentences was effectively imposed in the late 1960s. This fact has been used to argue that capital punishment serves as a deterrent and, as such, it is morally justified. Capital punishment opponents frequently counter that the United States has much higher murder rates than Canada and most European Union countries, although all those countries have abolished the death penalty. Overall, the global pattern is too complex, and on average, the influence of both these factors may not be significant and could be more social, economic, and cultural. Despite the immense improvements in forensics in the past few decades, the fraction of murders solved has decreased in the United States, from 90% in 1960 to 61% in 2007. Solved murder rates in major U.S. cities varied in 2007 from 36% in Boston, Massachusetts to 76% in San Jose, California. Major factors affecting the arrest rate include witness cooperation and the number of people assigned to investigate the case. Investigation. The success rate of criminal investigations into murders, the clearance rate, tends to be relatively high for murder compared to other crimes, due to its seriousness. In the United States, the clearance rate was 62.6% in 2004. Etymology. The modern English word murder descends from the Proto-Indo-European Mr. Trom which meant killing, a noun derived from mare to die. Proto-Germanic in fact had two nouns derived from this word, later merging into the modern English noun, murthra death, killing, murder, directly from Proto-Indo-European Mr. Trom, whence Old English morther secret or unlawful killing of a person, murder, mortal sin, crime, punishment, torment, misery, and murthriho murderer, homicide, from the verb murthrayana to murder, giving Old English murthra homicide, murder, murderer. There was a third word for murder in Proto-Germanic, continuing Proto-Indo-European Mr. Toes dead, compare Latin mors, giving Proto-Germanic murtha death, killing, murder and Old English morth death, crime, murder, compare German mord. The D first attested in Middle English mordry, mordry, murder, murdry could have been influenced by Old French murdry, itself derived from the Germanic noun via Frankish murthra, compare Old High German murdrio, murdero, though the same sound development can be seen with burden, from burthen. The alternative murther, attested up to the 19th century, springs directly from the Old English forms. Middle English mordry is a verb from Anglo-Saxon murthry and from Proto-Germanic murthrayana, or, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, from the noun. The Law School of America. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. 
These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America.